This is Teacher Answers, a podcast that takes high school students' questions and answers them in the most no-nonsense way possible. My name is Sam Griffin, 27-year veteran teacher and examiner of the teenage brain. Come with me and explore why high school students do what they do. Welcome, everybody, to the Teacher Answers podcast. My name is Sam Griffin. If you're joining me for the first time, welcome. Welcome. This is a show where I take high school students' questions and concerns and give them the most no-nonsense answer that you will find on any podcast. So joining me today is a extremely special guest, nationally famous, <laughs> uh, Miss Gingham County Sheriff, started in 2008 to present, uh, Matthew Lutz. Thank you for joining me on this podcast today. You're welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. Good, good. And this isn't something to be nervous about. We just honest people say all the time, they're like, I like honesty. You know, just straightforward, honest questions. We so, try to do that in law enforcement. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I want to put this out. So if you're like, why are we doing this, Sam? It's, it's because Police Appreciation Week, something I feel very strongly about, is coming up in May. And I want this... I'm recording. You've actually signed on here for a double feature today. So we're going to have some other people in law enforcement to come in and it'll be a good time. And then the second interview will be all student questions. Cool. So these are mine. Okay. And the other ones will be all student and some of them are silly. So, okay. So first question is at what point we went to the same high school. Correct. So that's high school in the county, by the way. Thank Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. How did you get to the point where you wanted to get in law enforcement? Well, I think uh, it's, you know, when I, when I went through, uh, I was kind of a young one in school. Mom started me when I was four years old. Uh, My birthday was in September and uh, I wanted to go with a group of guys from Philo. And and so she started me and I never really had any issues with the academic part of it. But what it did was, is I graduated, I was only 17 years old. Mm -hmm. And so really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, my, My dad, who was in law enforcement, uh, started in 1978. And so I'd been around it for several years and, um, just, uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. And then, so, um, we decided I would go to the police Academy right out of high school because it was just something that I could go to and see if I liked it. And, um, went into the Academy, got through it, uh, started in a security job at, at Sears, uh, out at the mall and, um, started doing some things with the, uh, the, uh, city prosecutor down at the city of Zanesville and um, just just kind of was around law enforcement didn't have any other uh, goals or intentions of, of what I wanted to do and um, Sheriff Gibson offered me a job uh, in the dispatch center mm-hmm. and uh, I took it and uh, that was back in 1989 I was 20 years old and um, I just I just loved it and stayed in it and um, uh, here I am today. Uh, how did you decide then that you wanted to be the sheriff? Yeah, I, I, you know, um, after, well, about two early 2000s, um, just had worked my way up through uh, law enforcement in, in, in the office itself. Went to the, you know, went to the jail, went to the road. Uh, I was promoted to sergeant. I was promoted to lieutenant. And then I, uh, I, I give up my lieutenant bars to go into the drug unit as a detective. And I just had a kind of a goal of, of being a supervisor in the detective bureau. And I think once I got in there, I, I started seeing the... Uh, administrative side of things and um, just felt uh, uh, felt good about where I was at in my career and I uh, really liked it and I always I always talk about my my mom and dad um, my mom bought a restaurant 
back in 1984 in Duncan Falls called Polly's Restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody remembers it. Yeah. And, um, you know, she worked there before she bought it. And I remember a conversation where it was for sale and she was, you know, going through the issues of wanting to buy it and struggling with that. And my dad said, well, if you think you can run it, and why, why don't you work for yourself and just buy it? And she did. And uh, 24 years later, uh, she sold it, but she had a very successful, successful career. And so it was kind of the same topic as I thought, you know, I thought I had the experience at that point uh, as moving up through all the, all the different channels that I could uh, get to the point where, you know, I thought I could do it and um, got a little bit into politics here locally. And uh, um, just, uh, just came time uh, when, when Sheriff Stevenson ended up deciding that he wasn't going to run and then uh, decided to, to run for it in 08. Nice. And, you know, everything's been positive. Congrats on your re-election. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, is it okay if we go back in time and talk about the, the... Okay, so there was an incident on October 19th, 2011, that I was playing a video game before work, okay? And some Canadians were on there, and they're like, Sam, are you from Ohio? Yeah. Are you near Zanesville? Yeah. Well, you better turn on the news because you got like Bengal tigers loose or something. I don't remember that, Sam. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> well, l- let me let me take you back here so people can remember. It's obviously is is not my news conference, but the sheriff just showed me something he's going to read to you, which is absolutely unbelievable. I never knew the amount of animals we were dealing with till just now, but when I read this, what he's going to read to you is unbelievable. Wow. Now. Let's get right to the animal totals. As I said earlier, the numbers we released was 48 to 52 was very sketchy and it was. The total number of animals we were dealing with was approximately 56 animals on this farm. Those numbers included 48 of which are now deceased. There are 48 animals that we had to put down. Those animals included one wolf, six black bears, two grizzly bears, nine male lions, eight lionesses, one baboon, three mountain lions, and 18 tigers. There are two missing animals at this time. So, what was that morning like? Yeah, so, um, not that I'm keeping track, Sam, but it was October 18th, um, 2011 at 5.15 p.m., just Mm. to be exact. Okay. But the internet had it wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding you. Uh, the 19th we carried over on that second day, but um, people uh, people laugh at me when I recite the, the exact date and time every year because it was just really like it was like it was yesterday. And um, you know, I, I've told this story many times. I've been around different states uh, talking about you know our incident, um, and it was just uh, it was a surreal thing. I think when you when you look back, and I I got about a 45 minute presentation that I do. Uh, on that deal and I would love to come on your show sometime and, and talk about just the just that incident but mm-hmm. um, it was just a situation where um, again I think my experience being at the sheriff's office really helped us because I was really familiar with what Terry had on that farm as far as the kinds of animals we had no idea of the volume as, right. you, as you heard me talking it takes me back um, I hadn't heard that clip for for quite a while and to hear the description breakdown of how many animals uh, were there was was kind of crazy, but um, you know I knew I knew from being there um, and through our investigations that the animals he had were basically 
uh, rescue animals where they had either been sick or almost dead and he had brought them to that farm and nursed them back to health. Um, you know, the Bengal tigers, the 18 tigers, those were not necessarily all pure, pure purebred, you know, tigers that you'd find in Africa. A lot of those were crossbred, um, a lot of, a lot of stuff there. So, um, I knew what they were and I knew how they were being kept. Mm-hmm. And, and the first call we got was from the neighbor who said there was a big cat and a, a bear that was out in the field chasing a horse. Oh. And I knew that if they were in the field, that they were loose. Right. And we had a pretty serious situation. And so the first call was a couple animals loose is what we thought we had. And uh, we'd always knew that that risk was there, that there could be something there. And we always thought we may have to go back there for one or two animals uh, like the call came in. But um, nobody could have anticipated what, what we ended up dealing with. And so you you get there. And one of the things that I think I I, I am... I can't understand, right? Like, because we, we see stuff on the news all the time, right? All the darn time. Right. And it's a job of split second decisions. Yep. You got, how fast can a tiger go across Ohio? Really fast. Yeah. Like yeah. next day, it's in another state somewhere, right? So, you know, you had to make this decision of, like, what was that? Just Well, and, and, you know, I'd like to have a quarter for everybody that's asked me mm-hmm. about that decision because the decision happened long before I got there. Um, the decision happened while I was in the cruiser. Of course, I still live in Philo. Mm-hmm. And so to drive to the West Pike where this was going on, uh, running with my lights and siren on, I mean, it took me at least 10 to 15 minutes uh, to get there. But as soon as I got started... Uh, up 60. Anybody that knows Dunkel Falls and Zanesville is a four lane 60, so you can make pretty good time. Yeah. Uh, I heard the radio reports coming in from our people that was responding. And um, there there was no, uh, I, I didn't think about it. I mean, I knew what the animals were. I knew what those animals were capable of. And I knew that if they were trying to get off the property or getting off the property, they, they were going to be very dangerous to our community. And that's why the decision was made. And right. I put it out on the radio uh, that anything that was off the property or trying to get off the property to be put down. And right. the quick response from our deputies, uh, one one guy who doesn't necessarily work for me anymore, Jonathan Mary, uh, was a full-time deputy. His his brother's well-known, Sergeant Mary, who uh, runs my SRO division. Um, but Jonathan was one of the first ones there and encountered a lot of these animals on his own. And um, uh, he now works for himself training, training canine. Um, but Jonathan just did amazing things, as did all the other deputies that were there. Uh, but he was put into some some pretty tight spots with keeping you know keeping these animals uh, contained. And uh, like I said, I mean that that first call uh, from the neighbor. If we wouldn't have got that, who knows who knows where we'd have been. Right. Did you did you meet anybody? Like how far did that go? I mean, here we are talking about it ten done, years later. I done a live interview with London, England. Nice. Yeah, that that's probably the furthest that I can remember talking. And that was the next morning on the 19th, as you alluded to, the morning mm-hmm. that Jack uh, came. You know, and there's a story there about, about how Jack got there and, uh, and, and meeting him on that next morning uh, at about 530 at our command center. And then um, at one point we did, uh, I sat down and done a, a live interview with London, England. Just well done. 
you know? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was a crazy... I'm I telling you, I mean, from my end, we, we all thought tigers were outside, right? It was right. like, whoa. Right. You know, it, it was a, a stra- one of the strangest mornings that I've ever had. Uh, so let's go back to quick decisions, all right? It seems like being being someone who's not in a law enforcement position at all and just sort of observing things that's going on in the world deeply as deep as you can it seems like what's going on is people are with law enforcement there is a i I don't want to say lack of respect i mean it's 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 possible that that's true. Okay, let's just say that. But if I'm told, if I get pulled over and I'm told to put my hands on the wheel or whatever, okay, and then I would do that, all right? But if I didn't and I started looking through the console real fast, okay, put me and everybody listening in the head of a police officer that is encountering that well there there's a lot there um and you know what's in that officer's mind first of all is he wants to he or she wants to go home at night mm-hmm. and and that's you know that's the main thing that we want for all of our officers is to go home at the end of that shift and the uh, the unknown in law enforcement is probably the most feared so to speak um, because you just never know what's coming. And um, in today's times, and, and you talked a little bit about respect, I, I'm a firm believer that um, our, and I'll say younger generation, um, isn't taught the respect that you and I were taught when we were growing up. And, um, you know, I, I think that shows uh, not only with law enforcement, but just in the world today with tweets and text messages and Instagram and social media and uh, the lack of respect that people have for others' opinions and the lack of empathy that we have Mm -hmm. in the country today. And, but, you know, when, when I walk up to a car, I I think because we have such a wide range of social media now, anything that happens in this country is seen now within seconds. Yes. And it used to be, you had to watch the six o'clock news the 11 o'clock news or read the paper the next day to find out what's going on and something that happened in you know uh, west of the mississippi maybe not even be seen on the east side of that mm-hmm. and now it's it's uh you see something that happens within seconds mm-hmm. uh, everybody has a phone everybody has a video on that phone and um so i think um you know for law enforcement we're the same way we're, we're seeing this uh you know, disruption going on and we see, um, some of the hatred towards law enforcement. Um, and, um, you know, we see some of the disrespect. And I think when, when you walk up to a car, um, you know, obviously we have to have a legal right to, to stop you. And that's what we should be stopping you for. And when we go up to that car, a lot of times, um, you know, uh, you'll get a warning and you'll go about your way. Um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times the cars that we stop, those folks have warrants or they have other bad intentions. And, um, that's, that's what the officer's thinking about. The officer's thinking about, um, you know, and we, I guess clear back to 1988, 87, when I went through the Academy, um, you're taught, you never take a traffic stop as a routine traffic stop. Nothing's routine. Right. 
And I think some of the questions we, you know, we've talked about a little bit is about being prepared and being trained. Um, and, and I think you fall back on that kind of thing when you're dealing with traffic stops. But uh, the, the more cooperation, and, and again, I'm, I'm talking about Muskingum County, City of Zanesville, uh, Police Department, and the Sheriff's Office. I really feel there's a lot of great people there, and the, and the more respect they're shown, the more respect they'll show you. Mm-hmm. And But when, when they walk up to that car, the unknown is the traffic stop's one of the dangerous, most dangerous things we can do because you're exposed. You're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and that person has that car for protection, mm-hmm. and they can take off or they can pull something on you very quickly. And so uh, it is a, a dangerous spot to be in. Um, you You just said something that, Right, right here. By the way, this is the list of <laughs> this is my current pile from March, and one of the questions I've been struggling with for about four months is exactly what you just said, and that's empathy. Why? So here's the student question. I'm going to interview the student because I found out who wrote it in right. my class. He came forward because right. he heard me talking about it on this show, and he said, "What has caused the lack of empathy?" Matt Lutz, nationally famous. <laughs> what is the answer to this? Well, I, I truly believe that, you know, it, it's something that's taught. And I think I've always said, uh, at least to me, I'm, I'm 52 years old. I'll be 53 in September. Been Just had 32 years in in March. And, you know, I was taught to treat people how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And, and never to ask anybody to do something that you wouldn't do or you haven't already done. And I don't think people understand that today. And I think social media, and I wanna blame, everybody wants to blame social media, but I have a I have a tough time with the younger officers that we hire um, because they don't have the experience of just talking to people. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the experience of asking questions and, and pulling information from somebody. And I don't think they recognize uh, the empathy because They've grown up texting and tweeting. And and I think when you're sitting behind a computer and you can say anything you want right. with no ramification and, and you text and there's there's emojis that you can tell how people, you know, if they're mad or happy or whatever, but you don't get that true feeling from somebody. Um, and, and I think it, it, people aren't held accountable for their actions. And there's, there's a, I've, I always, you know, when I see stuff, I, it sticks to my mind, but um, they don't understand when you when you make a comment to somebody, you don't know what kind of day that person's having. Right. And and any any little thing that you say to them could could affect them in a in a in a bad way. Right. And so have some respect, respect people's opinions. And I just think because of all that, we've we've lost that sense of empathy with people, that sense of communication, and that sense of respect. And um, I think it definitely it definitely is weighing on us now. I agree. It's. You know, I think with, I don't, I don't know that it's a hundred percent social media, but it that's definitely a variable in that equation. Um, also, was I was having a conversation with someone, someone at lunch today, and I said, "Remember what the news used to be like?" I mean, there's a good one. Yeah, it's like Tom Brokaw. I grew up with Tom Brokaw, yep. as you did. Yep. He never once said, "Well, this is a bunch of bullcrap." Right. So and so's lying. He just reported what was said. Yep. And it was extremely boring. <laughs> okay. Yep. I used to hate the news. Um, I, I just, I think we need more 
listening to each other face-to-face time that that is extremely helpful um when when the day is rough when you had a really rough day where a police officer's had the worst day you could imagine seen the worst horrific thing or had to make really tough decisions and it's ultra stressful how did they go home and clear their head and reset yeah it's that's a that's a really good question and i i you know i don't know that there's one solid answer for that i think um it's it's really crazy because um different different things affect different people in different ways Mm -hmm. and so um you know for me uh again 32 years i've i've got pretty thick skin now um you know i still have some really tough decisions as sheriff that affect our employees and uh different things like that but uh, for the most part um there's just different things that, that guys do they have hobbies um they have uh family and friends um you know that they can uh go talk to in confidence and they can be, you know, use them as sounding boards and they can sound off to where they know what they're saying is going to be right there. And, um, uh, but, but I think you have to have that release. You have to have something, um, that, you know, you can get away, you can stop thinking about it, uh, and try to think about other things and take your mind off of it. Um, I think a lot of it, you have to make that decision before you get into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we talked about one of our questions, you know, about young person, people getting involved in law enforcement. And, and I think, you know, you have to have um, that reality check when you get into this. That it's, it's not an easy job. And um, you have to be able to uh, have the temperament and have the ability to, to see stuff and, and get by with it. And, uh, um, you know, nothing's personal. Um, you know, you have to learn how, how to take that, uh, that some of these guys, and, and again, I worked at jail and, uh, some of those guys do some crazy things, but it, it was a mistake sometimes off drugs or alcohol. And they're actually pretty decent guys when you get them in jail. But, mm-hmm. um, you just, you just have to find ways to unwind. And, uh, you know, I, I have, uh, a select group of friends I talk to. I have a great family that supports me. Um, I have a side by side that uh, we take off and, and go to the woods and ride. Um, my son and I took up golf pretty seriously last year uh i still haven't figured out how to play it yet but uh you know it's it's fun for me just to go to the golf course and 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 get mad at the golf clubs and the golf balls and not be mad at anybody else and so um i think each each individual officer just kind of finds their way of how how they can cope and how they can release and you know we we try to make uh things available for them um i think we've done uh captain jeff lecoque who who is my um uh, he's in charge of my road division has done a really good job uh, with providing you know information and material for for our people that when we're in a time of need uh, they know they can go to him and and he makes things available for them so it's just finding that 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 release that you that you need to get away from it. I bet it's hard on spouses and things uh, like that too yeah it's it's really is I mean it's uh you know um, you I'm everybody's different. Um, you know, some people can go home and talk to their spouse uh, about everything they did that day. Yeah. Um, some people go home and don't tell their spouse any of it. Um, you know, some people go home and did you have a tough day? Uh, you know, we had this, this call and that call, but you don't go into the details of it. So it's, it, it is tough on them. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, they they deserve awards for, for the support that they give us and, and for what they have to put up with, especially, you know, when you have bad calls and, and, and the officers singled out and the, the families are seen on social media and different right. things like that. So it's it's a it's a very tough world to live in. Yeah. Um, let's go back to a young upcoming police officer. What what 
<clears throat> is there a perfect recipe for that? Or like, I, I, everybody gets molded into a job, right? But what 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 are you looking for most? Well, I don't I don't know that there's a perfect police officer. Um, to me, they're all amazing. Mm-hmm. We're just uh, getting up and leaving the safety of their homes, the comfort of their families, putting on a uniform and going out and being ridiculed and, and cussed at. And, and uh, so it takes an amazing person to put this uniform on. Uh, but we're not perfect. We're human. And we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think in any occupation you have, um, from school teachers to working at Walmart to driving a truck to whatever, you're, you're going to have people that make bad decisions. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't say that we're not allowed to do that because, because we're human. And, um, you know, as I, as I think about that, um, you know, I think as I, as I said earlier, that the two golden rules always come to mind as a police officer and that's treat people how you'd want to be treated and, and don't ever ask anybody to do something that you wouldn't do or have it done yourself. And Mm -hmm. I think if you treat people that way, that's a, that's a great uh, trait for an officer to have, um, you start talking about having a desire and a, and a drive to come to work. And, uh, you, you know, you, you got to be able, you want to get up in the morning and go to work. If you don't, then it's, it's not the job to be in because mm-hmm. you're definitely not going to get rich at it. Right. And, and you're going to go through a lot of hard times and, uh, uh, it makes it, it makes it really tough. And you got to have that, that passion to want to help people. And so that's an important trait, uh, is to, you know, we have a saying, um, I campaigned on is, you know, we, we go out every day and, and try to make Muskegon County uh, the safest we can to live, work, and raise a family. Mm-hmm. And if that's not your goal, then then that's not going to be conducive to a good career. Um, you know, multitasking, as you talked about earlier, making those split-second decisions, mm-hmm. uh, that, that is, you know, being able to think on the run and, and really just being willing to do anything for our citizens. Uh, they, they also, again, uh, have to have the empathy and and respect and, and being accountable. And I think, I think so when you start asking me for traits that, that makes uh, an amazing police officer, those are some of the more important things that come to mind. So I, I remember listening to the news after, I think it was after the George Floyd incident and they were, I think it was NBC. It was a Today Show. And that's what it was. It was yeah. a Today Show. We, we, we were off school, still in remote at that point. Um, and they were interviewing a, f- a family with little kids. And it was, uh, I forget what city it was. It may have been Minneapolis. Um, but the kids were saying, you know, I'm told to run from the cops and be scared of them. I mean, they were interviewing them with a microphone and eight-year-olds were saying that, 10-year-olds. Okay, how do we fix this? Well, I, I think it's transparency and education is is a big thing. And, and you know, as I alluded to before, um, you know, I think you have younger, uh, younger uh, people having kids and those core values aren't being taught. And so those kids are being raised without the core values that we were being raised and that respect and that accountability. And, um, and instead of teaching that child that as long as you're not doing anything wrong, um, you have nothing to fear about the police. If you're lost, you see a police officer in uniform, he'll find you and he'll help you get to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we were taught. And, um, 
you know, I think some of this uh, stuff, some of the mistakes that that police officers have made have led to some of these uh, events that we're seeing now around the world um, has, you know, give that ammunition to to folks to 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 teach their kids this. And, um, you know, um, trying to gain that trust back um, you know, and trying to be transparent and everything we're doing would would be a start. But, um, you know, I also know that, you know, when you bring up the George Floyd case um, it's it's really tough uh, because um, the media and, I, and I, I keep going back to the media but the, the news agencies um, you know they want to sell paper they want to sell what's going on on that television and a lot of times the negative stuff is what sells mm-hmm. and a lot of times when you're seeing those initial reports uh, and, and no fault to the media, they're they're reporting what they're being given and they're re- reporting what they're seeing. But a lot of times they only have maybe a quarter of the story. Right. And law enforcement can't necessarily come out and give statements or, or release information because it's part of the pending investigation. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that in fear that it will jeopardize a, a court case. Yeah. And so it's uh, it's you know it's it's a little lopsided when some of those things come out because as is in the George Floyd case. Um, you know, they're they're seeing that video, and they're reporting that stuff, and not all that stuff's coming out. And now we're having court, and we'll see all the facts and circumstances. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be the first one to tell you. I don't know that I would have any employee of mine that wouldn't agree with me that that case, that guy, that officer could have done a lot of things different. Right. And there could have been a lot better way of handling that situation. And we all recognize that. Sure. You know, and uh, but again, that one person did that. And I think we have to figure out how to get out from under this umbrella of just because one person did something, you don't judge the rest of us on. That's it. it that it's right the there is it. Yep. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be just police. Right. It's right. It's teachers. It's yep. preachers. Yep. <laughs> You know, it's baseball players, it's football players, it's the NFL, it's everything. We just are a culture now, sadly, of finger pointing. Well, and I I think, again, and not to blame social media, but, uh, you know, you you see somebody put one thing on social media with no, uh, any, with nothing to back it up, Mm -hmm. nothing to support it, Mm -hmm. and people start seeing it and passing it on. And, and, doing that as if it's true and then it just starts spreading like wildfire and and i think that's where we get into those things um that just because it's on facebook that's the old saying is just because it's on facebook is true right and um you know so i think we have to be you know if 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 anybody listening to this knows somebody you know that's the issue that we have is making sure uh you know it's it's okay to get upset it's okay to disagree with something but um, try to have all the facts and circumstances just like us in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we try to have all the facts and circumstances before we take the case to the prosecutor before we ask for charges. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it puts you in a bad situation if we start jumping the gun and, and going off, going off just, uh, rumors. So do you have talks with your people? It's like, Hey man, or Hey girl, don't, don't get involved in this stuff on social media. Yeah. I mean, you are a public figure, and if you get wrapped up picking sides, 
it can be very harmful for the reputation of everybody else. Do you have talks like that with them? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think we, I've had to have personal talks with, mm-hmm. with some of our deputies. Um, we, of course, we have a social media policy. Um, we, we try to make sure everybody that has a social media site uh, hasn't posted that their views aren't uh, representing me or the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, and it's a very fine line between me telling somebody not to comment on something versus me taking away their constitutional right of free speech. And so you have to be very careful of that, um, you know, and I, and I try to, to relay that to our folks that, you know, a lot of times uh, when they're out here in my uniform, you know, all the time when they're in my uniform, what they do is representing me. Yep. And if they do something bad, then the public thinks I'm allowing that to happen. Right. Uh, same way with social media. If somebody goes on there and, and represents the sheriff's office uh, in a negative way, then that's being negatively represented back to me in the sheriff's office. So, um, yeah, we, we, we try to have that policy. We try to police that. Uh, we, we follow up on all those concerns when people notify us about seeing something. And uh, and we've had to have conversations with folks to try to get them to understand that you know what they're doing, and especially in a law enforcement role, you're in a leadership role. Yeah. People are looking at you and holding you to a higher standard. The highest. The highest standard. Yes. I mean, it's there is no higher. Right. I mean, that's what I grew up with. Yep. I mean, it's like, um, like you said, if you're lost and you see a police officer, that's who you're going to, not some other guy. You right. know, you right. would go to him first. And, and so, yeah, it's so important. Now, how do you, we also live in a world where we take everything personally. Okay. How do you, how do you separate it? Well, and I can only talk for myself. Yeah. Um, you, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't do a lot of social media. I just, I've chosen, uh, I've never Facebooked, uh, even when it first come out, I've never Facebooked. Um, I have a Twitter account an Instagram account. Uh, I make a few posts on there sometimes about the office or special events that I'm doing or going to and supporting the community. Um, do a lot of sports stuff on Twitter. Um, but, um, you know, when you start when you start making those comments, um, it, it really is not fair to you to do because somebody that is just going to disagree with you on purpose. Yep. And and especially in politics, when you're a Republican, some Democrats going to say something. If you're a Democrat, some Republicans going to say something. Right. And so I've just learned that um, you know they can't tear me apart if I don't make the post. Right. And so I follow a lot of different things. I follow everything on there and. Um, but as, as far as, uh, you know, you have to be very careful about it. And as I said earlier, um, when, when you get into this profession, um, you know, you try not to take it personal. We're very fortunate. And I I will tell you this, we're, we're very fortunate to live where we live. Uh, I feel we have a very good community, a great community. Um, I feel we get a lot of support here in Zanesville and Muskegon County compared to your bigger cities and um so we're very fortunate that we that we live here and um and get the support we do but you you know working in the corrections field i I try to talk to those young officers about those guys in jail have just made mistakes and a lot of those guys are uh, well represented in jail they treat now they treat everybody right and they do what they're they're paying a price for what they did and uh to treat them like you don't be treated if you made that mistake and I think you just have to understand that it's not a personal attack on you and um, that, you know, you treat everybody fairly and, uh, and you, you treat everybody as you as you should. My last question, unfortunately, is kind of a downer here. 
on this. But, uh, so, the, the attitude of the cops are after you, okay? I'm sure that this is, how frustrating is it for people to think that? You see what I'm saying? Like, if, if I'm cruising along and in my heart, I got in this job that is not, you know, the ultra high paying role and all that stuff. And it's may have some negativity currently on it, but I'm in there and I'm trying to help people. And yet someone, you know, they, they look at me like the cops are after me. How do you deal with that? Well, um, I, I, it's for me, I've almost chalked it up. It's a sign of times and you kind of expect it. Um, mm. But in, in our community, um, and it's probably a little bit different in the city of Zanesville yeah. versus the county because everything's just um, crammed inside there so much and you have a lot more a lot more traffic and a lot more stuff going on. Um, but, but for me, um, you know, our officers wake up in the morning and they put the uniform on to go to work to serve our community. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to go handle the calls that they're given. And they're going to try to protect the people that we need to protect. And they're also going to be driving around looking for violators and people that are committing crimes. And, you know, I get frustrated a little bit when I get those phone calls from a mother who ha- tells me that my people, uh, my officers are profiling or are singling out or are picking on people. Mm-hmm. And my answer always is, is uh, we, we do profile. Um, it's not black, white, red, or indifferent. It's not men and women. Mm-hmm. It's, it's criminals. Mm-hmm. That's who we profile. Mm-hmm. And if we see somebody commit a crime, we're going to get involved with them. And if, if you don't, you know, it's, it's a simple thing. If you don't want to be involved with the law enforcement, then don't break the law. Right. And, um, I, I deal with that a little bit with the jail and I'll have concerned family call me and they, they'll tell me it's too cold or the food's not good or the bed's not comfortable. And, and I, it's, it sounds like a smart like response, but I'm not being smart. I'm just being truthful. If you don't like it, don't come to jail. Right. Don't commit the crime. And, and I think that's where we go. I, I, I can, you know, I, I did a, uh, a talk, um, with, with a group on Facebook live, uh, a while back. And it was, um, about racial inequality and it was about profiling and it was about different things. And, um, you know, I, I had the stats when we went into those conversations and that's just not happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our numbers are, uh, way lower than what, the, the state averages or the national averages. And so, um, you know, I know our people do great work. Um, and you know, uh, it is, it is frustrating a little bit when you're out here, uh, you know, working your butt off and we're trying to take as many drugs off the street as we can. And we're trying to put as many criminals behind bars as we can for people to start, uh, you know, clamoring a little bit about picking on people and, and, and doing things. But for the most part, those are very few and far in between. And, uh, we're, I think it's, we're very fortunate to be able to have the community we live in. I, I am. And we all collectively appreciate you keeping it safe and that's the best thing. Um, all right. So you've, I'm going to invite for part two here, 
couple more people to come in and join us. This will be a good time. This is the second part of this will be all student questions from high school students. Um, if you would like to say thanks to Sheriff Matt Lutz and myself, um, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to my show, give it a five-star review, share it with people. That's the best thing. Take, take the link to it, share it with other people so that they can listen to it. What, what I personally am trying to do is spread the message that, you know, everybody's the same. We're still people at the end of the day behind whatever uniform or suit and tie you have on. And we're all flawed and, you know, making, you know, it's hard. So thanks for coming on, Matt Lutz. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. You have been listening to Teacher Answers. If you would like to submit a question, drop me an email at teacheranswers at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail on the Anchor podcast site, anchor.fm slash teacher answers. <laughs> <laughs>